Good morning. I'm the lead pastor here at Gateway. If you're visiting, uh, I'm the lead pastor. That was our student pastor. Uh, what was your name? Brandon. You know, it's funny. We're having fun this morning. I, I came up front and I said, how in the world am I going to be able to preach this morning when this young man's wearing this jersey down here? Stand up. No, seriously. Does everybody see this jersey? Did, wear it proud? Who said that? Yeah. You know, I got two favorite teams in the whole world, the Colts and whoever's playing the Patriots. So, I mean, and he wears the jersey. No, good for you, man. You know, it takes a lot of guts to walk into this place and wear that thing. I tell you, that is a leader right there, Mom and Dad, if you ever saw one, right? So, well, good morning. We're in this series called Runaway, and uh, I've really enjoyed this for me personally. Um, I'll share a little bit later, ties into some visions work that we're doing in our church and some work that we're doing. Jonah's just a great series on trying to get to the heart of who God is and what God desires and what God wants from us and for us and really for the whole world. Um, today we're going to be in chapter 3. We're going to talk about the whole chapter. Uh, chapter 3 is 10 verses. Uh, it's a great part. It's really the second half. Jonah, you could break it up into two parts. And each of those two parts has parts within each one of those parts, but really two divisions. Verse 1 of chapter 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah and God said, right? And then chapter 3 is the second part, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. So there's the division. And so Jonah's learned a lesson in chapters 1 and 2. And just a quick review before we go too far. As Brandon did a really good job of, of sharing with you about Jonah. You know, we looked at the word came to Jonah. God gave Jonah a mission. Go to Nineveh. We talked about how Nineveh is the last place in the world that he wants to go because it's in Assyria. These are Assyrians. And for the Israelites, they are the bullies of the region. They are the evil culture of the reason. They, they are the ones that are so far from God that God could never reach them. And God says, okay, Jonah, I want you to go across that, that line, that, that boundary of that country, go into Assyria, go into Nineveh, and share the word of God with them. And Jonah says it ain't going to happen. And we learn that God, Jonah wasn't necessarily running from God himself. We know Jonah was a good prophet. He was a man of God. He loved God. He practiced his religion. But there was a problem with Jonah's heart in that in all of his religion and all of his, his uh, worshiping and all of his law keeping and all that, it had become an idol to him. And you say, I don't understand. How can religion become an idol? When the heart of God is absent from your religion, it becomes an idol. It's just an idol. If you don't understand the heart of the cross, the cross is just a symbol and an idol. If you don't understand the Bible and the heart of the Bible, the heart of God and the reason He gave it to us, and it's just a book of laws and, and, and all this, and you lose the heart of God, it becomes an idol to you. And Jonah even says, I will not worship idols any longer, but I want to be in the center of who God is. And so we know that Jonah ran from God. Really, he ran from the heart of God. 
God's heart was in Nineveh. And Jonah's wasn't in Nineveh. And anytime your heart isn't where God's heart wants to be, you will run, you will distance yourself and become less and less like Him and understanding of Him and more in line with your religion versus what God's heart really is about. And so he runs and we know about the storm and we know that these men were going to die and the people around Jonah were now suffering because of Jonah's lack of understanding his running from God, his, him being a runaway prophet. And we know that the men eventually threw Jonah into the ocean and we thought that was it. Jonah was dead. Jonah was gone. This is God punishing Jonah. And last week we learned that God was not punishing Jonah because he sent a big fish to swallow him. <laughs> and you're all like, whoa, that sounds like punishment to me. Uh, I've, I've, anybody here clean fish? Yeah, anybody want to spend three days in the belly of that, right? No, nobody wants to do that, right? And so it seems like punishment, but in reality, God was gracing Jonah. He didn't allow him to just sink down to the bottom and die, but God sent this fish to save him. And there in that belly of that fish, Jonah has a come-to-Jesus moment. A come-to-God moment where he realizes all that God has done for him. He realizes the compassion and the love that God has shown him. God has that same compassion and love even for Nineveh. Even for Nineveh. And Jonah has this incredible prayer where he comes and he repents and he confesses that, you know, God, where would I be without you? That salvation comes from you alone. And it says that the fish vomited Jonah. And I said last week, how far can you run from God before you feel like puke, right? To the bottom of the ocean, Jonah went and God still found him. And so Jonah laying there, and this is where we are today. And I just want to read with you Jonah chapter 3. Jonah now has been vomited up. He's ready now for the mission of God. And it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. All right, Jonah, let's try this again. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah did not run from God this time, but he's learned his lesson, and now he obeys the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began going a day's journey into the city and then proclaiming 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Listen, the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people 
or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows, the king says, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he threatened them with. I mean, there is a lot that we can talk about here in chapter 3, but I really want to focus in on this bigger theme as we've talked about in the whole book of Jonah. Jonah's challenge with Nineveh, God was challenging Jonah's worldview. God was challenging Jonah's religion, his religious views, his understanding of who God is, what God is like, what is the heart of God, what does God really care about, what does God really concern himself with in this world. This is what Jonah's challenge was. He thought he understood God, and God goes and calls him to Nineveh. It threw him. I ain't going to have anything to do with that, God. I don't want to do anything that's going to help those people. Surprisingly, even Jonah has this issue with God's personal revelation of who he is. The book of Jonah, it's not really about a prophet. It's not really about a city in Assyria. It's not really about a trip to Tarshish. It's not really about a storm or a sea or murder on the high sea when the men threw him over or a big fish. And we make Jonah all about these things, but on the surface, those are simply movements and plots to a deeper meaning. God gives us Jonah so that we can see how big and how compassionate and how open the heart of God is for all people, even those deep in sin. How wide, how open that God is to even the hardest of sinners in our world. Jonah in the context of all of Scripture, two verses really ring out to me. Ezekiel 18. Do I take any pleasure, God says, in the death of the wicked? Declares the Sovereign Lord. Rather, I am not pleased. Am, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? In 1 Timothy, Paul reminds us, this is good. And it pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jonah did not feel the same as God. He was not interested in doing anything that might help the Ninevites to participate in anything 
that might help this nation was out. And so he ran. Jonah struggles with the revelation of God that he is a compassionate, open-hearted, loving God who cares for even the Assyrians. It sounds great, and it's amazing to us on paper. We love being the object of God's love, especially when we give our hearts to God and we feel that love and we experience that love and we experience the grace of God and He saves us and He rescues us. And this is wonderful and it's great. But when God then turns and calls us then to be ambassadors of this open-hearted, compassionate God, we struggle. The truth is, there are people that we love to hate. A difficult boss, a disrespectful neighbor, the Democrats, the Republicans, people trying to break into our country. The truth is, there are people all of us want to keep at an arm's length. People would rather avoid than engage. They would rather replace than embrace. We would rather judge than to show mercy and compassion. But, as we learned last week, it is God's compassion and mercy that comes back to us over and over. Just like Jonah sinking to the bottom of the ocean and the fish was a compassionate act of God to show Jonah, to teach Jonah, to remind Jonah of his rescuing of him, of God's love and compassion for him. For Jonah, it was that storm and that great fish. God has his way of helping us lovingly and compassionately as we struggle and wrestle with who he is. God was not punishing Jonah. God was saving him from his own heart. (laughs) And bringing him back to the heart of God. So in chapter 3, there are three big things that I want to just point out this morning. And there are these three things. Number one, God's salvation should always bring me back to God's mission. God's salvation should always bring me back to God's mission. Verses 1 and 2 take us right back to chapter 1, don't they? And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jonah then runs, finds himself sinking. A fish comes and swallows him. Jonah has a heart recalibration. He then spit out onto dry land. And now that Jonah now is ready for the mission, God comes back to Jonah. He says, okay, Jonah, let's try this again. Let's try this again. I gave you a mission. You ran. Some stuff happened. I know. It seemed like I was punishing you, but I was really bringing you back. I know there was vomit involved. I know, gross, ooh. But let's try this again. Let's go back to the beginning. Listen, God always knows what's best for us. When we love Him, 
but we struggle with who He is, this loving, compassionate God toward sinners. It is His loving and compassionate heart that also brings us back. Gives us a second chance. There's a lot that we can think God is concerned about in this world. But I'm going to tell you the first priority of God is that your heart and His heart are together. Moving in the same direction. Do you see what's happening in this chapter in the book of Jonah? Jonah just experienced a great salvation that came by way of a fish. And now Jonah is ready. And God says again, go. And this is the same for us. Think about your salvation. Think about when you came to the Lord. Think about all those years that you lived in sin. It's not because you were good that God saved you. It's not because you had some great thing to offer Him. It's not because you did all the right things and took all the right steps. It's not that you went to church or gave some money. You didn't earn it. You didn't pay for it. It was God's love and His compassion and His long-suffering grace. Jonah should open our eyes to see with fresh eyes just how good God is. How good He is to us through the person of Jesus Christ. He didn't have to come for us, but He did. While we were still sinners, He came and died for us. And a natural response to this kind of compassion should be like what the prophet Isaiah said, Here I am, God, now send me. You did this great thing for me. Now send me. How can I be used by you? The cross of Jesus Christ should fan the flame inside of us. We should say in our hearts, God, you died for me. Now let me live for you. Or how about this one? You did the work I couldn't do. Let me do the work that you desire in the world. Or you freed me, God, now use me. The compassion of God should bring us back to the mission of God. Because at the heart of who God is, He is a God who comes for those who are far off. He's a God who comes to seek and save those who are lost. He's a God who leaves the 99 to go after the one. kind of God does that? A God whose heart is broken and compassionate and loving toward those who are far away. Jonah didn't want to be a part of that, but he's coming around. God says, let's try this again, Jonah. Are you stirred by that? Is your heart moved? Does the love and the compassion of God that He has toward you move you to compassion and love? It should. 
So what does the work look like? What should we be busy doing? The second thing is this. God's word should always be our primary message. God's word should always be our primary message. Jonah answers God. He joins God in his mission. But what is at the heart? But what is the heart of what God is really all about? I have no doubt. And hear me this morning. Open your minds and your hearts to this. I have no doubt that Nineveh was full of poor and needy people. But Jonah does not go with food and money and clothing. I am no doubt that Nineveh was full of sick people. But Jonah did not go with medicine. I'm sure that Nineveh was full of lonely and down and out people. But Jonah did not go to set up compassion centers. No doubt the people there just needed a pep talk. But Jonah did not just simply go and offer a pep talk. And these are important ministries to fear, to feed the hungry, to care for the needy, to help the sick and pray and heal, to be there in community for the lonely. These are all important ministries, critical ministries, and God's heart is in them, but not why Jonah. This is not why Jonah went to Nineveh. Because all the food and all the money and all the medicine and all the pep talks in the world may lift those people up, but they will not save them. God is telling us in Jonah and in all of Scripture that at the heart of God for all people is first and foremost the expression of the word of life here on earth. What does every person need the most? The Word of God. They need the Gospel. They need the good news of Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. This is what God said they need the most, is the Word. And the Word came to us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen? We need to take the Word into our Ninevehs. Jesus is the Word. We need to show people the good news and tell them the good news that God loves them and is compassionate about them and cares for them and God wants to rescue them and save them. And we do that not with just caring for the poor, not just with setting up uh, places for the needy, not with just helping the sick, but to go into those parts of life with the Word. They need the Word. Are you saying, Pastor, we shouldn't have programs and give? And No, that's not what I'm saying at all. 
We need to be about giving to others, sharing with others, helping others up. But as we go, realizing the most important thing that you can give them is not money, not a way out of their addictions or their sickness or their need. The greatest thing that you can give them is the Word. The Word of God, who is Jesus. What was Jonah's message? Forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Word of God was sent. Verse 2 told us that the message was given to Jonah by God. Listen, Jonah couldn't change it. He didn't change it. He didn't improvise it. He didn't give his own opinion of the Word. There was no guessing of the Word. It was simply the Word of God that is in the person of Jesus Christ. And we should go and share this good news. It's simple. We know God wants us to care for the poor. He wants us to share what we have. We need programs for singles and we need programs for drug addicts and we need programs for homeless and those that are hungry. But above all else, what is the Word of God? It is the thing we must share as priority. The third thing I see in this verse, chapter 3, is this. God's powerful work in me should be a reminder that if He can do it in me, He can do it in anyone. That's humility. If God can do what He's done in my life, if God can rescue me and save me and change me and transform me, this same powerful work that Jesus has done in my life for these few years or many years, if God can do it in me, He can do it in anyone. 60%, six verses of chapter 3 has nothing to do with Jonah. But it's all about the Ninevites. Jonah goes, he shares God's word, and their response, incredible. Astonishing. It's just astonishing. Astonish, astonish, <laughs> I will spit that out. Say it for me. Astounding. There you go. It's astounding of what God does through a simple prophet who ran from him, decides to go, goes a day into the city and begins to just share the word. A simple message. There's three very important ways that the Ninevites' response is astounding. The first one's this. It's astounding how quickly it spread. Verse 3 and 4 tells us this. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh, listen, was a very large city and it took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. It tells us that Jonah only ministered about a day's worth into the city. And there was this astounding, unequivocal response of repentance. He did not spend a week 
He did not spend two weeks. He did not spend three weeks. He did not spend 20 weeks. He didn't go and set up a place for a year and began sharing the gospel. No, Jonah went in a days into the city, not even to the whole city, and began proclaiming the word of God. And here is the point, that Jonah only preached about a day, but his message spread like wildfire. When you share the word of God and people get it, and they begin to respond to the word of God, it's contagious. It's like a wildfire that has been set and it begins to burn. Jonah didn't have to go any further, didn't have to tell anyone else. He simply went a day's in, and it says immediately, the whole city knew. (laughs) It even made its way to the king. It's amazing how it spread. The second thing that's astounding to me is in verse 5. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. It's astounding how vast the repentance was. It wasn't just the poor. It wasn't just the needy. It wasn't just the down and out. But it says, from the greatest to the least of them, they began to repent. The content of his message was simple, but yet the Ninevites seemed to understand it. They grasped it. They appreciated that God was a God of compassion and mercy. He was giving them a chance to repent. And it says they all began to repent from the greatest to the least of them. It was an opportunity to change. And the third thing that was just really astounding about their repentance was this. How complete it was. Verse 8 and 9. But let the people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Are you kidding me? Their cows repented. No. I'll explain that here in a minute. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. No, their cows did not. Their cows were not convicted and repentant. But here's what I want you to see. Nothing of importance in their life was left unturned. The Assyrians went as far to cover even their animals in sackcloth. Nothing in their lives was left out. Everything was submitted to God. And even if they had question about it, they submitted it to God. It was complete. It was an all-out repentance. Everything must change, they said. How about you? What have you left unrepentant? You know, in Jonah's day, there was no other people group so far from God, so far from God's word as the Assyrian people. Yet here, after just one day 
proclaiming this message that God sent him to proclaim. The entire city of 120,000 people repented completely to tur- and turned their lives back to God. That should give us encouragement. And it should remind us that the God who has worked powerfully in us can also work powerfully in them. If we go. How can they believe if they don't hear? And how can they hear if we don't tell them? The good news that God is compassionate, that God is accepting and loving, that God wants to change the hearts of the people who are far away, and even the hearts of those who appear to be close, like Jonah, but are runaways from that heart because they just can't grasp how much God loves them, the other people. Jonah reminds us that God is on a mission in this world. And that mission is about spreading the gospel. It's his primary mission. It's not my comfort. It's not my world. It's not necessarily God's a part of every aspect of my life. But I want you to know, everything God has done through history before we were even thought of is about the redemption of those who are lost. The Israelite people, the giving of the law, the tabernacle, Jesus coming, the cross, the empty tomb, the church today, the coming of the Holy Spirit. It has all been for the mission of God to redeem those who are lost. We should be on that mission. Just like Jonah, we have been called to go to our Ninevehs. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The problem today with most churches and our church is that we have mission creep. We forget these things. We drift away from our primary calling as the people of God church becomes about a lot of other things except the mission so for about three months we've been working with um, uh, a consultant out of mount vernon nazarene university mike williams would love mike Um, some of you know this some of you don't know this but i've been working with him we're about three months in we've had four sessions now about to have our fourth session um, tomorrow night with him We've just started working through the mission of our church and just talking about what mission is and drives mission. And he ran us through this little exercise that really spoke to the eight people on this team. And, and I, he, they call it the upper lower room identity. And I have a, I don't know if you can see this, but he, he gave us this picture and he's kind of walked us through this example and he walked us through this this exercise to think about these things. And we had to score the lower room. And here's the problem. He says most churches that are plateaued or dying or going backwards, they're living in the lower room. 
They've not made their way to the upper room. And as a pastor, that really spoke to me, and I, and I had to understand that better. He started to explain. He said, you know, most people are emotionally connected to these things in the lower room. The place that we worship, the personality of the staff or the pastor, you know, the programs of the church, the people of the church. And if you ask most people, they go to and leave churches based on these lower room things. And here's the problem, church, because I've been there too. We begin to see the lower room as what is priority and provision as the church. And we begin to talk about this program and that program. And we begin to talk about these personalities and those personalities and these people and that people. And we begin to look at uh, the pastor. You know, I don't know, but I think I might, you know, that pastor, I don't know. You know, he's kind of, you know, I don't know. He didn't shake my hand yesterday, but or whatever. And we begin to look at the place. You know, well, I don't really like their children's ministry or their rooms aren't like these rooms. And you see what we begin to look at as the church and church becomes a lower room experience. And he says churches that are really fulfilling the mission have found a way to get to the upper room. A majority of the people of that church, a majority of the individuals of that church are no longer making the lower room place, personality, programs, and people priority, but they are looking at, are we in this upper room? Are we fulfilling God's unique call of us? You say, okay, pastor, what is that? Where have you been? Have you been listening for three weeks of Jonah? And how Jonah, did you know that Jonah is the only prophet that Jesus quoted? Interesting, isn't it? Interesting. Jonah went to the belly of a fish for three days. Jesus went into the belly of the earth for three days. Jesus gets it. And he wants us to get it. That the mission of God, this unique call to go and love our world and to carry the gospel, the good news that God loves us in the person of Jesus Christ, that people can have an open and honest relationship with a God who loves them because Jesus loves them. That is what we need to be about. That is our unique call in this world. Whatever our Nineveh is, wherever God has called you, your workplace is your Nineveh. Your family might be your Nineveh. Your neighborhood is your Nineveh. We all have people in our lives that we would rather keep at arm's distance than embrace. Think about your daily lives, the people you run into, the people you see, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members, the people who know you and you know them. This is your Nineveh. And God is on a mission. And He's calling you. He's calling you, wooing you into His heart for those people to be broken and to love those people the word of god needs to go 
to those people, how are they going to hear it? When you are the Jonah that God has sent them and you're running from God's heart. God's asked us to join that mission. You know, Jonah 3 shows us that God, what God's love looks like. God wants His heart of love to be on display in us. That Jesus would shine through us. In sin, Jonah ran from God. But in grace, God rescued him. Why? So that Jonah's voice would be heard in Nineveh. Why has God rescued you? So that your voice would be heard in your Nineveh. Let's pray. God, this is hard because there's so many people that don't think like me. They don't act like me. Their values are different than mine. Their way of life is different than mine. And it's hard to understand how we can embrace without affirming their lifestyle. It's funny the Bible doesn't give us any instruction on how we do that, God. I wish you would have put that in there. All you show us is this Jesus who ate and drank with sinners and was condemned for it. He was crucified for it. He embraced them. And it was that embrace that, that led many of them to love Him and follow Him and to know God through Him. Holy Spirit, come into this room right now and move our hearts. Forgive us of our sin. We are a holiness people who preach and teach a holiness way, but yet our hearts don't love like yours. They're not broken like yours. True holiness is to love you and to love others with everything we have. To not judge them or condemn them. To talk about them or keep them at an arm's distance. That's not holiness. You are a holy God, but yet you embraced us. You embraced me. I didn't deserve that, but you did it. And just like Jonah, now you're calling us to this Nineveh's of our life and forgive us for running from your heart. We run to everything else that's religious but your heart. I wonder some days, Lord, as I walk into this place, God, are you even going to be here? Or are you going to be down the street where the people who need you the most are hanging out? Maybe you're at the hippie fest today. I have no idea, God. I just believe, Spirit, that you are here because you know there are people in this room. You're moving their hearts. You're crushing their hearts. You're 
bringing them back to your heart so that we will love those people in our life. May we be a church that lives in the upper room. That we don't argue and bicker over place and personality and programs, but that we would argue and bicker over, have we committed to ourselves to the mission of God in our community? Just move, God, in this place. Move in our hearts. Forgive us. Just like Jonah in the belly, remind us of your great salvation. Remind us that only you can bring salvation. It belongs to you. It's always been yours. And you freely give it. I thank you, God, for these people. Brandon's right. This is an embracing, loving, caring group of people. But we can go deeper into your love and our love and your love for your lost children. Thank you, Father, for this day. Bless it. Continue. Continue, God, to bring big fish our way so that our hearts might change back to who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.